Welcome to Turning Point. The name Habakkuk means to embrace, a fitting reminder that you can have hard conversations with God while still securely abiding in His arms. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah examines this Old Testament book about hard questions, God's answers, and learning to trust. From Courage to Conquer, here's David to introduce his message, Courage When Failure Defeats You. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us. We're in this series called Courage to Conquer. And as I've mentioned to you uh, a couple of times, I chose these passages from throughout the Bible, some from the Old Testament, some from the New, because they were passages that greatly encouraged my life. And I just thought, what a great time to share these passages with our Turning Point Radio family, because it's a time when we could all use uh, the infusion of a little courage in our lives. Life is pretty tough right now, and it's hard to figure it out. Every day you get up, and it's more confusing than it was the day before. Uh, I've had so many people tell me they're just basically um, turning the news off because it doesn't do anything but discourage them and depress them, and it doesn't give them any plan for the future, how to deal with it. So everybody's focused on the problem. Nobody's focused on the solution, and we're stuck in the middle, and that's kind of where we are. So I'm really excited to um, share this series of messages from these powerful passages, and along with it, to share a book that I am very excited about. It's called The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. And that's what we need to do during this time. We can't just sit and wait. We have to move forward. We have to find strategies to get out of our comfort zone and go do the things God has called us to do. Well, Rob Morgan helps us with that. He's written this great little book called The Jordan River Rules. It's about 115, 120 pages, an easy read, 10 chapters, but 10 rules that come from the transition period the Israelites went through on their way to the Promised Land. You need to have this book. Most of all, you need to read it. I want to send it to you. Here's what you do. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of February. Maybe the ministry of Turning Point has encouraged you, helped you get started in the new year. Send us a note, and when you send your gift, ask for this book. We'll send the book to anyone who sends a gift, and we hope you will do that today. For a gift of any size, Rob Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. I'm sure that in our congregation there are a number of people like your pastor who have over the years sought the Lord's help in some particular area of life only to see days and months go by without apparently anything being communicated back. We've asked God to help us with problems and the problems continue. We've asked God to give us health where we're sick and sometimes the sickness gets worse. We've asked God to save people in our family who don't know him and we pray and we pray and it seems sometimes as if they get further away from the Lord instead of closer. And the challenge of unfulfilled promises from our perspective and unanswered prayer from our perspective can be some of the toughest experiences we ever face. Days when questions come to us that seem to have no answers. And there are times when we think that we are all alone in the universe when it comes to our particular trial. 
no one understands and God seems so far away. This was the situation that faced the prophet with the hard name to say, Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a man who questioned God. And the whole book of Habakkuk is a dialogue with God over the imponderables of his life. Habakkuk has been called the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. The book of Habakkuk is unique among the prophets in that it is not a book full of messages that the prophet was giving to his nation. That's the way most of the Old Testament prophets are. They're the book of messages that the prophet gave to the nation in his day. But the book of Habakkuk is not a book of messages. It is a book, three chapters of dialogue between a prophet and his God. It's as if God put a microphone between himself and the prophet and he's letting us listen in. Habakkuk is unburdening his soul to God and expressing to God the emotion that he feels when it seems as if God isn't even listening. This is the record of a questioning and answering that goes on between a man and his God. This is a dialogue that looks deeply into the heart of the prophet and tries to grasp the agonizing of his spirit over the issues that seem to have no logical solution. This is like listening into a conversation between God's man and God. Now there's not a lot known about the book of Habakkuk, but I want to give you one thing for you to remember. This is a famous book because the book of Habakkuk is the grandfather of the Reformation. Did you know that? The book of Habakkuk is the grandfather of the Reformation. Habakkuk 2.4 says, the just shall live by faith. Paul, chapter 3 and verse 28 said that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Martin Luther read Paul. Paul read Habakkuk. That makes Habakkuk the grandfather of the Reformation. If you don't remember anything else that's in the book of Habakkuk, the most famous Old Testament scripture about the just living by faith is found in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. One more note before we go through our discussion of this man's problem. The name Habakkuk in the Old Testament language means to embrace. I want you to hold on to that thought because it's a wonderful frame in which to place this whole book. In spite of the things that the prophet of God could not understand, he still embraces his God. But then I'm getting a little ahead of the story. Let's go back to the first chapter. And I want to begin with some perplexing problems in verses 1 through 11. First of all, Habakkuk becomes burdened in his soul with a question that from his perspective must be answered. Notice verses 1 through 4. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? 
For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arising. Therefore the law is powerless. Justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore perverse judgment proceeds. The prophet Habakkuk lived during a time when the people of God had moved far away from the godly principles upon which their nation had been founded. He stood in the midst of the decay of Israel and he cried against the sin of his generation. But nobody heard him and wickedness continued to increase. Habakkuk's heart was literally broken as he saw the nation of Israel in decline. As the prophet looked at his day, he was overwhelmed by his frustration. How could a holy God look upon such evil among his people and not do something about it? That was his question, and more and more, that is our question as well. We are the most blessed nation in the history of the world. We have been the apple of God's eye, and yet with each passing year, God is marginalized in our society, and he is ridiculed. And the thought that a leader of our nation could be a man of prayer is an irritant to many of our citizens. Habakkuk cried out to God in his grief over the nation, and it seemed to him as if God was not listening. Look at the second verse. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? In one of the commentaries on the book of Habakkuk that I have in my library, a statement by a contemporary writer in which he says that the days of Habakkuk were very much like the days of today. Today, he said, the law is emasculated, criminals are coddled, the death sentence has been abolished in many places, and judges slap repeat offenders on the wrist. Pleas of temporary insanity can absolve perpetrators from the penalties for most heinous crimes. Hardened criminals can play the appeals system for years and escape with punishments far lighter than their deeds deserve. Court cases are deferred until the memories of witnesses become hazy. Judges are inconsistent, often open to bribes, and frequently more concerned with protecting than punishing the guilty. The absolute standards of morality mandated by God's law have given place to relative morality, which accommodates wickedness. Pornography flourishes under the guise of the freedom of the press. Syndicated crime, drug trafficking, prostitution, child abuse, political corruption, and blind foreign policy contribute to the growing moral weakness of our nation. Such is the permissive society we see, and such was the permissive society Habakkuk saw. He came to the conclusion that the wicked outnumbered the righteous, and there really wasn't any hope. To Habakkuk, it seemed as if God didn't care. He was not attentive to the prophet's prayer, and he seemed indifferent to the prophet's concerns. Habakkuk says, Lord, I tell you about the problem, and you don't listen. Here is this nation which you have formed after your own heart. Here is this people which you have chosen out of all the people of the world, and they have turned their backs on you, Lord, and you don't even seem to care. Nothing stretches our faith any more than the apparent indifference of God. The silence of God has given many ungodly sinners an excuse to blaspheme and many weary believers the temptation to give up his faith. To Habakkuk, God was indifferent. 
to his situation. So we began the perplexities and the problems of life with a question that must be answered. But the question that must be answered is followed by an answer that must be questioned. Notice verses 5 through 11. God responds to Habakkuk. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe, though it were told you. For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. Their charges charge ahead and cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. They scoff at kings and princes are scorned by them. They deride every stronghold for they heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Then his mind changes and he transgresses. He commits offense, ascribing power to his God. Now let me unpack that very wordy paragraph. Habakkuk says, God, your people Israel are violating your holy law. Why don't you do something? And God doesn't answer for a long time. And finally when he answers, he says, all right, Habakkuk, I'll do something. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans and use them as my rod of judgment against the people of Israel. And Habakkuk could not believe what he heard. Habakkuk's question gets answered, and the answer is worse than anything he could have imagined. Have you ever cried out to God and God finally answers and you almost wish you hadn't prayed? Well, quadruple that feeling, and you will get close to the anguish in Habakkuk's soul when he finally heard from his God. The prophet had asked God to do something about the wickedness among the Jewish nation, and God answered that he would do just that. God said, I'll raise up the nation of the Chaldeans. God told Habakkuk that judgment was about to begin against Israel, and that judgment would be carried out by the Chaldean nation. It is impossible for me to paint a word picture of the despair and the unbelief that filled Habakkuk when God finally answered his prayer. He was in much worse shape than he was before. You see, the Chaldeans were the most wicked nation in the world. They were so wicked that when God called the prophet Jonah to go and evangelize them, Jonah went AWOL. And if you remember that story, apart from his special recovery from the whale... The reason Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach to that nation was because they were so wicked and as a good Orthodox Jew, he hated them and he knew that if he went and preached the gospel, some of them would get saved and he didn't want that to happen. That's how bad this culture was. The Chaldeans were a cruel, brutal nation. When they would go to war against nations and Soldiers from the other armies thought they would fall into the hands of the Chaldeans. They would immediately commit suicide, which was far better than to fall into the brutal, cruel hands of the Chaldean nation. And God said, Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans and they will punish Israel 
for their disobedience. Think of it now. A nation far worse than Israel being chosen by God as the means of punishment against his people. Can you imagine why Habakkuk was scratching his head? What are you up to? And of course, God did exactly that. We call it the Babylonian captivity, for the Chaldeans are the Babylonians. God said, Habakkuk, my son, I have heard your cry against the wickedness of my people, and I will judge them, and my instrument of judgment will be the Chaldean nation. You can almost hear Habakkuk say in his heart, I wish I hadn't asked. We go from perplexing problems to powerful principles. Notice verses 12 and 13. Habakkuk responds to God again. And this time, this is what he says. He's questioning God now. He's trying to figure this out. He's saying, Lord God, are you not from everlasting? O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, you have appointed them for judgment. O Rock, you have marked them for correction. You are of purer eyes than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue when the wicked devours a person that is more righteous than he? You see what he's saying? He says, Lord, why would you do this? Habakkuk hears the Lord, and he hears the answer to his first question, and he is dumbfounded. And the answer is worse than the question. Why would a holy God judge his nation by using another nation that was 30 times more wicked than they were? And all the prophet can do at this time of despair is to concentrate his thoughts on the nature of God. He reviews the God that he knows. He doesn't understand what God is doing, and there are some things about his God that he knows, and so he begins to review the things that he knows. Just a couple of things. He knows God is eternal. God was here before all of this. He'll be here after all of this. He says, are you not from everlasting, O my Lord God? He knows that God is holy. He can't put together what he's hearing with God's holiness, but he affirms the holiness of God. God is holy, O Lord, my God, my holy one. Later on in the text, he says, your eyes are purer than to behold evil and cannot look on wickedness. What do we do when we're caught in the swamp of imponderable things? What do you do when you're in the midst of a situation and frankly, even when you hear from God, it doesn't make any sense? What is God up to? You see, his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. We get in on the story down about the first level. God's on the 25th floor. We're trying to figure out down here what's going on up here, and we can't. We know in our heart that it's probably okay, but we sure wish we could get a better look at it. And in the midst of all of that, what do we do? I'll tell you what I've learned to do. When I'm in a situation where I don't know what's going on, I try to concentrate on the things I know. When I was sick and I didn't know what was going on, I concentrated on the fact that I knew I had a good God. That he never allows anything in his children's life that doesn't have a purpose. I concentrated on the power of God. That's a good one to concentrate on when you're in a weakened condition. I concentrated on the love and mercy and justice of God and his grace. And over and over again, I thanked him for the one attribute that I appreciate more than any other, and that is the long-suffering patience of Almighty God. Were it not for that, where would we be? I remember telling you some years ago about an experience I had at Hume Lake when I would go up there to preach in the summer. I have wonderful memories of Hume Lake because I have 27 stitches in one leg 
from a motorbike that I turned over up in the mountains. I was riding and I flipped it over while I was jumping streams on it and cut my leg open. And then I've got Honda rash spots on my back from another experience I had where I turned the bike over on the pavement. So I don't ride bikes anymore. I just... (laughs) But one of the things I love to do is go up into the mountains and just walk around. And in the mountains and some of the places around Hume Lake, there are swamps. I mean, just kind of places where the water has come. And, you know, I discovered that you can get across a swamp if you look for the dry places. Have you ever noticed that? The water kind of covers it, and every once in a while, up out of the water, there's a dry place. And if you can put one foot here and another foot here, you can see your way through the swamp. And that's the picture I have of this situation. When you're in the swamp of the imponderables, you find the dry ground of the principles you know about God, and you walk from one to the other till you get to the other side. That's the only way you'll make it. If you try to say in your heart, I can't do anything or go anywhere or relate to any situation until I have all this figured out, I'm afraid you're in for a long, long time in the swamp. But the way you get out of the swamp of the imponderables is you walk on the high ground until you get to the other side. So now Habakkuk has some perplexing questions And he's got some powerful principles, and I don't have time to finish all of the discussions between him and God, but I want you to go to the third chapter of this prophecy and see where he ends up. He has perplexing problems. He's come up with some powerful principles, but now he's going to enter into some persistent praise. And I love these verses at the end of this prophecy probably as much as any of the passages in the Bible. After he gets done with his dialogue with God, he still doesn't have this all figured out. He doesn't know for sure where he's going to be. Think about this now. If the Chaldeans are coming on Israel, then more than likely Habakkuk's going to be victimized by their coming on Israel as everyone else. He could lose everything he has. He could be destroyed in the ravishing marching of the Chaldean armies. But he's okay with that because he's come now to this pinnacle of this chapter. And I want you to read with me as I read these words. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet and he will make me walk on my high hills. Wow. One of the distinctive characteristics of the book of Habakkuk is that while the word Selah, watch this now, appears in the Psalms 70 times, it only appears once outside of the Psalms and that is here in this book. Hmm. Well, thank you for joining us. Isn't this a great... um prophetic passage in the Old Testament. And you know, it's hidden in one of those books that a lot of people never read, but is so full of encouragement and perhaps one of the greatest um, motivational paragraphs in all of the Bible when when you read this paragraph. And uh, we'll talk about that some more when we get together tomorrow. We're in the midst of a series called Courage to Conquer, passages that really encouraged my heart, and therefore I wanted to share them with you. There is a study guide for this series that puts all these passages together in in one uh, volume, and the study guide is beautifully designed. It's written to build up your courage, and it introduces you to some of these great 
uh, heroes and great passages. Uh, among those are David, Paul, Joshua, Habakkuk, Isaiah, the three Hebrew children. Uh, when you read these passages, when you study these scriptures, you will find fear, loneliness, frustration, confusion, disappointment, and weakness. All in the Bible, all in the lives of these heroes. And the only thing that changes it all is the courage they get from God to go forward. And that's what I hope will happen as you continue to listen to this series. Uh, be sure to uh, get the Courage to Conquer study guide from davidjeremiah.org. There's also a set of CDs you can order that go along with this radio series. We'll be back tomorrow with part two of Courage When Failure Defeats You from the book of Habakkuk. Can't even pronounce it, but it's full of truth. We'll see you next time. God bless you. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Courage to Conquer, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine turning points and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Robert J. Morgan's book, The Jordan River Rules, 10 God-Given Strategies for Moving Forward. Learn how God uses crisis to prepare you for stronger days ahead. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, Courage to Conquer, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you're ready to move towards the promises God has given you this year, then you'll love The Jordan River Rules, written by Robert Morgan. You'll learn 10 God-given strategies for moving forward, including how to encircle obstacles with biblical faith. This encouraging hardcover is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point this month. And when you give $70 or more, you'll also receive The Courage to Conquer set, featuring Dr. Jeremiah's teaching series, companion study guide, and bookmark. Request yours at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Several times in the Old Testament, individuals like Abraham, Balaam, and Gideon were visited by angels. The strange thing is that at first, the humans didn't realize they were speaking with angelic beings. The writer to the Hebrews no doubt had those experiences in mind when he told his readers to be hospitable to strangers because, 
well, it might be an angel at the door. No one would deny hospitality or courtesy to an angel. Yet we are tempted to do so to people when we are rushed or preoccupied. Well, that verse, Hebrews 13, 2, should make us see every encounter as a divine appointment. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's divine appointments for you on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.